ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय भगवते वासुदेवाय ग्रंथराज भागवतम कैंटो टेन चैप्टर ट्वेंटी सेवन टेक्स्ट सेवेंटीन स्वाधिकारुक्तवर्जित गम्यता शक्रभद्रम क्रियता मे अशासन स्वाधिकारुक्तवर्जितवर्जित गम्यता शक्रभद्रम क्रियता मे अशासन 
स्थितास्वाधिकु युक्तवर्जित शासनम ऑर्डर स्थियताम यू मे रिमेन स्व इन योर ओन अधिकारेशु रिस्पॉन्सिबिलिटीज युक्त सोबरली एंगेज वह यू स्तंभ फॉल्स प्राइड वर्जितई डिवॉइड ऑफ ट्रांसलेशन एंड परपोर्ट बाय द फॉलोअर्स ऑफ श्री प्रभुपाद ट्रांसलेशन इंद्रा यू मे नाउ गो एग्जीक्यूट माय ऑर्डर एंड रिमेन इन योर अपॉइंटेड पोजीशन एज किंग ऑफ हेवन बट बी सोबर विदाउट फॉल्स पॉल्स प्राइड परपोर्ट 
Lord Krishna here addresses Indra in the plural form were because this grief instructions was meant to be a lesson for all the demigods. Om Gyanatimirandasya Gyananjanishalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Namaom Vishnupadaya Krishna Prishtaya Bhutale Shri Mate Bhakti Vedanta Swami Itinamine Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatya Deshatarine Vanchakalpatarubhyascha Krupasindhubhyavacha Patitanam Pavanibhyo Vaishnavibhyo Namonamaha Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhara Shri Tavrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna I'm grateful to be here with all of you today on the occasion of Govardhan Puja and we look at this pastime today in terms of reciprocations. That who all is Krishna reciprocating with? The particular verse which we just read talks about Krishna's reciprocation with Indra. Gamyatam. Now you can return Krishna is telling Indra. And basically Krishna is being very compassionate to Indra. He is not really punishing him, but he is protecting him from stambhai, from false pride. So I will talk about the reciprocation here. In broadly, uh, five terms, I will use the acronym GRADE. You know, we all can grade our devotion by seeing how we are reciprocating with different people and a high grade of devotion involves reciprocation with various devotees with our equals with our juniors with our seniors with the Lord with people who are potential devotees with people who are averse so it's all about reciprocation so we'll see how in one past time the Lord is exp expertly reciprocating with different people so now if we consider what all are the reciprocations that are happening. If we consider Krishna is here. So Krishna at one level is reciprocating with the Vrajavasis. At another level Krishna is reciprocating with Govardhan whom he lifts up. Then. At another level, Krishna is reciprocating with Indra. Mm -hmm. Now, Krishna is actually, toward the end of the past time, is also reciprocating with the cows. Survi cow gets a special role. 
and then krishna is also reciprocating with all humans all human beings in fact all of posterity what is he teaching us so we'll talk about these five reciprocations that are happening in this particular pastime so let's begin with the character after whom this whole pastime is named although we have for example a pastime in which or there are two main pastimes in the vrajalila where two big devtas are bewildered by krishna or they confront krishna and they are humbled who are those two devtas brahma and indra but we will see a significant difference that the pastime in which brahma is bewildered is called brahma vimohan leela but in the pastime in which indra is bewildered is not called indra vimohan leela <laughs> why in one sense indra is almost like a side character he is a he is a significant character but krishna is doing much more so in that sense between brahma and indra if you see of course you could say that brahma is a greater devta but there are this other dissimilarity so brahma vimohan leela is directly focused on his name hmm? but the, it's not indra vimohan leela because while krishna is reciprocating with indra and elevating and enlightening him krishna is also doing many other things of course in brahma vimohan leela also krishna is doing other things but in this particular pastime the reciprocations between krishna and his devotees are much richer and now that is why this pastime is called as govardhan leela mm-hmm. it is not indra vimohan it is govardhan leela govardhan becomes a very central character so now if we consider from the perspective that say if krishna's purpose had been primarily to humble indra indra had become arrogant and krishna wanted to humble him krishna could have done it in any way just like when arjuna towards the end of his life tried to shoot arrows and he shot but his arrows wouldn't even reach the target what to speak of piercing the target so krishna could have taken away the power of indra that means krishna could have just stopped indra indra could have said okay rains thunder go down clouds go down and he is just saying nothing is happening krishna could have taken his power away at that time but krishna did not do that krishna in one sense let indra express and exhibit all his power his power was exhibited but the power had no result it's one thing to have no power it's another thing to have power and to have no result of that power it's like in some ways it is more distressing if somebody is a somebody is a fighting with a gun and they are shooting and suddenly somebody comes and takes their gun away they just can't be shooting they're just pressing their fingers nothing is happening but now that is bad enough 
but somebody shooting with a gun and they are hitting the opposite target and nothing is happening to the target that is even more unnerving actually what kind of being is this what kind of armor is this person wearing that nothing seems to be happening over here so the first thing that krishna does here is talking about the acronym gri krishna is glorifying krishna is glorifying govardhan over here that the whole past time is to demonstrate how a seemingly insignificant part of rindavan is actually far more glorious than the king of earth not just of earth of whom of heaven the king of heaven so if you consider that is the earthly planetary system in which there is the earth and within that earth there is one small village govardhan within that there is one tiny place one, one village called vrindavan within that there is govardhan and then far above the earthly planetary system and far bigger than that is the heaven is swarga and indra is the king of swarga so by being the king of the is in once de facto he is not just the king of the heavens he is in one sense the king of the universe or the entire sense functional sense ultimately it's lord vishnu the brahma ji is although is more like advisor brahma ji doesn't involve himself too much in day to day administration so indra is in one sense the most powerful position in the universe and his position is thwarted his power is thwarted by one insignificant hill on the earth now generally even the greatest of kings on earth are not able to counter the power of indra but here krishna uses govardhan hill for the purpose of thwarting indra and thus he is glorifying govardhan krish one of the consistent features of krishna in vrindavan is that krishna's joy doesn't come only in displaying his power krishna is god but krishna does not delight so much in displaying his power in vrindavan if required he can do that but krishna gets much greater joy in bestowing power on his devotees so if you see just like lord ram build a bridge to go across lanka but he blessed hanuman with the capacity to leap across the ocean and reach lanka so similarly here at one level we can say that it is krishna's glory that krishna lifted govardhan yes that is true but if we consider the govardhan acting like an umbrella then if there is a heavy storm the umbrella we might hold the umbrella up but the umbrella for it to not get damaged to actually protect us is also indicated that the umbrella is very strong 
So Govardhan is glorified by Krishna. And this starts right from the beginning. The very start of the pastime is where Krishna tells the Vrajvasis, the sacrifice you are doing, what is its purpose? And is it scriptural or is it traditional? Now this is a very significant question right in the beginning. What is Krishna is saying is that everything traditional is not necessarily scriptural. Nowadays there is a lot of concern that say as the times are changing and we are adjusting to the times, are we compromising, are we deviating? And yes, that's a valid concern. But it's important to know that deviation can come not just from the contemporary world. Deviation can come from the tradition also. So everything in the tradition is not necessarily pure. And Krishna is differentiating. So for example, the caste system is something which has been a part of the tradition in India. But it is the part of the tradition that has actually destroyed the spirituality of India. So in this world, padam padam yadvipadam, danger is everywhere. That means when there is deviation, so if this is the living tradition, this is the contemporary world, and this is the past tradition. So now, the past from where there is tradition. And this is the contemporary world. So now deviation can come from the contemporary world. So we might go away from Krishna, but deviation can come even from the tradition. So that's why within what is considered traditional, there is something which is considered scriptural. And this is what we are meant to follow. Now this doesn't mean everything traditional has to be rejected. There may be many things in the tradition which can also be compatible with what is scriptural, even if they are not directly scriptural. But uh, the point over here is Krishna is making this difference. That everything traditional is not necessarily scriptural. So for example, now as we devotees start practicing bhakti, now we all come from our own traditions. We may have our kuldaivat, we may all have our traditions. And we come to Srila Prabhupada and we come to the Gaudiya Vaishnava tradition. So within our practice of Krishna consciousness, what all elements of say bhakti or piety from our tradition do we bring in? What is acceptable, what is not acceptable? So these are questions which have to be carefully answered. That just because something is traditional does not necessarily mean it is scriptural. When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was talking with uh, the Tattvavadis, he said that while Madhvacharya is laudable in terms of how he refuted Mayavad, but still you emphasize too much on the caste system on Varanas and uh, that can dilute the potency of Bhakti. So even at that time Mahaprabhu is talking about what was going on in the Madhva tradition. Not everything that was going on in the tradition is necessarily according to scripture. This is not to single out any particular tradition. 
to illustrate the point that every tradition is vulnerable to contamination coming even from the past so krishna asks is this scriptural is this tradition is this traditional and then krishna starts talking with the brajwasis and he says that actually if you really want to be grateful for the fact that we are successful uh, at goraksha at kaukher and you want to acknowledge that then we don't have to go to indra for worshiping him actually our success in goseva in kaukher depends on govardhan it is govardhan who is giving us rains is he not really so what is krishna's logic krishna is saying that actually indra is bound to give us rains and if we do our karma he is bound to give us rains then we don't need to do anything to please him separately if at all you want to please anyone we can you can please govardhan by doing his puja so here what is krishna doing our, our acharyas explain that krishna is actually talking here of a philosophy known as karma mimamsa now in the vedic tradition see the vedas are a vast body of knowledge according to estimates there are 1 lakh lakh verses in the vedas now how much of that is existent is also a matter of question right now but is a huge body of knowledge and what does this body of knowledge mean that different people have interpreted it differently so for example we may study the same body of knowledge and one group of thinkers may come up with one conclusion another may come out with another conclusion and like that six groups of thinkers have taken the same vedas and have come up with different conclusions so these led to the what is called as the shat darshanas the six systems of philosophy mm-hmm. and we follow what is called as vedanta so veda and vedanta are not the same thing vedic and vedantic are not exactly the same thing hmm? vedic means what follows the vedas vedanta is one particular understanding of veda now of course in the vedanta sutra how the vedantic understanding is the correct understanding is analyzed by comparing with other schools of thought now but one of the other systems of philosophy is mimamsa so krishna is here speaking the philosophy of mimamsa and what is this philosophy of mimamsa it is basically the idea that even if there are any gods gods are under the laws not above the laws so gods are under the laws in western philosophy 
this idea is called as deism that so now there are some differences between karma mimamsa and deism but they are largely similar what is the idea over here that if we consider god what is the role of god and his relationship with the universe so traditionally that god is the creator and god is the controller hmm? when both are understood this is theism when god is considered to be neither the creator nor the controller he just doesn't exist that is atheism hmm? but in between is the idea that god is the creator but not the controller that is deism so that means it's like if we consider a clock now the clock create clearly has a designer a creator but after they make the clock and they sell the clock now they don't have any control over the clock so it's up to us to operate the clock if we give it the battery then it will work accordingly if we change the timing the timing will change so the idea is the manufacturer is the is no longer the controller right now so deism is the idea that god is the creator but not the controller and karma mimamsa is something similar to that the idea is that the the devatas are not having any independent power to control the laws they are also under the control of the laws that means that if they are if the law is that you know we offer this particular thing and we get this particular result then the officials involved don't have any power to intervene they don't have any discretion you know if this is your stipulation this is what you will get that this is not you're not meeting this criteria you're not going to get this so that now of course the laws are there but do the authorities have any discretionary power that is the key question so deism or mimamsa which are similar mimamsa hold that the devas have no discretionary power now this is not the teaching of vedanta and this is refuted by our acharyas and the bhagavatam is clearly focusing on vedanta so the philosophy in that sense now if all this seems too complicated don't worry <laughs> it really it, it the point of this whole past time is something different but i just explaining what krishna is doing that krishna is actually speaking a philosophy that is considered wrong that the acharyas are saying that this is not the teaching of the vedas so often when we want to comprehend something what is being said we need to look at the content of what is being said and we also need to look at the context of what is being said in fact context can be so important that here it is the absolute truth speaking but the absolute truth is speaking what is not the absolute truth <laughs> so 
even krishna the absolute truth the absolute truth speech may not be the absolute truth hmm? so how is this possible well that is the point of leela leela means krishna does what is required for reciprocating love with his devotees and therefore sometimes he may not speak the absolute truth hmm? so we see this earlier also in the bhagavatam in the bali maharaj past time when vamandev comes vamandev is glorifying bali maharaj and he says your ancestors were so powerful that when hiranyaksha went around in search of vishnu to kill him vishnu realized that there is no place in the universe where he can stay safe from hiranyaksha and therefore he decided the only hiding place is in hiranyaksha's heart only <laughs> now the lord is always there in everyone's heart and the lord was not running away from hiranyaksha but here the acharya described that the lord is simply having fun so the lord has a sense of humor and sometimes when something is being spoken from the context we can understand that this is meant to be a meant to be a joke isn't it now sometimes people who don't get a joke they become the joke isn't it <laughs> in india we use the word tube light <laughs> that the tube light doesn't turn on immediately in here tube lights also turn on immediately but the tube light if it press the button the bulb turns on immediately the tube light doesn't turn on immediately so tube light is a person who doesn't get a joke when you make the joke of course when you make a joke and people don't get the joke then either it is the people who are the joke or the person who speaks the joke becomes the joke isn't it <laughs> so either way krishna has a sense of humor and here krishna is saying that actually we don't need to worship the devatas we can worship govardhan now if you see this logic is actually so questionable if by doing our karma we are going to get the results and that is the reason why we should not worship indra then by that reason there is no need to worship even govardhan is it right <laughs> that okay if we are by our karma we are going to get rains then by if rains are going to come then even grass is going to come so if indra is not doing anything special then even govardhan is not doing anything special पाठ मधुर गिरा वलगु वाक्यया बुध मनोज्ञया पुष्करेक्षण द गोपी इज डिस्क्राइब कृष्णास स्पीकिंग प्रॉविस एंड दे से दैट मधुर गिरा दैट यू स्पीच योर वॉइस इट सेल्फ इज सो स्वीट and then valgu vakyaya not only is the tone of your voice sweet but the words you speak are also so enticing they are also so sweet 
and how sweet are they see there are some people who are said to be sweet talkers now, sweet talkers means they flatter other people and then they fool those people so uh, now generally if somebody gets carried away by a sweet talker it's understood that maybe that person is not so intelligent a really intelligent person won't ca be carried away by empty words but it is said here buddha manogya krishna your tone and your words are so sweet that even the wise people get bewildered even those who are intelligent get bewildered it's like krishna told duryodhan when he was going to see uh, his mother before the final days war that his mother had told him you come to me in the same condition in which you were born uh, so the the politically correct or the the proper way of saying is that not that person is unclothed he says clothed by the directions that is a polite way of saying not clothed so come that when krishna said you know when your mother said come to me you are born he, he says that you know you are a grown up man now you know at least cover your private parts before you go yeah 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 i think that's right isn't it so duryodhan did that and that's how his thighs were vulnerable when bhima attacked him eventually so the point is now duryodhan was no fool of course we could say he was foolish in the sense that he did not recognize krishna's supremacy but still he was intelligent in his own way that's how he was able to get 11 akshahunis of warriors to assist him uh, that's how he got uh, all his 99 brothers to follow him isn't it it's not easy you know if any of you have one younger sibling try to get that sibling to obey you <laughs> and see how difficult it is so duryodhan was no fool but krishna was able to persuade duryodhan so buddha manogya so similarly here krishna persuaded the brajavasis that we should worship govardhan instead of indra and rajwasi said yeah you know what you are saying makes sense but let's first worship indra and then we can we can do a separate puja for govardhan and krishna said subhasya shigram if at all we have to worship then why delay just take all that you have done for govar for indra and all the paraphernalia use it for govardhan so krishna in one sense is glorifying govardhan over here but he is doing something more and when we talk about his reciprocation with indra will come to that but here krishna for him philosophy is is here just a tool now here krishna is not like an acharya who who is instructing people krishna when krishna speaks the bhagavad gita at that time arjuna has surrendered to him arjuna has a shishyasteham shaadi maam tvam prapannam in 2.7 and then what at that time in a formal role of education what krishna speaks at that time what he speaks will be the absolute truth but when krishna is just having fun with his devotees then for him at that time in philosophy is a tool and krishna may 
speak a philosophy that is not necessarily aligned with reality just for the purpose of pursuing his leela so then as he moves forward krishna lived the whole the past time moves forward and they come to the other stages of the past time but right now we are focusing on the glorifying of govardhan so when krishna tells the brajwasis when the rain starts showering let us go to govardhan and let's take shelter of govardhan he says we have worship govardhan and therefore govardhan will protect us so the brajwasis how is govardhan going to protect us what does it mean but they follow krishna and krishna goes there and krishna just lifts govardhan up and then at that time the vrajivasis they feel krishna how have you lifted govardhan and krishna says actually i have not lifted govardhan govardhan is so pleased with the fact that we have served him that he is like a yogi and yogis have the power of levitating you know levitating means rising above the ground they can just simply float in the sky so he says that actually govardhan is levitating in ecstasy and while he is levitating in ecstasy we are all protected under him then one of the gopas says if he is really levitating then remove your finger <laughs> so basically krishna gives all credit to govardhan he said it is govardhan who is protecting us and then the way the pastime unfolds not only does govardhan protect the brajwasis but govardhan itself is not even slightly harmed it's like sometimes somebody some enemy is trying to say destroy a fort and come in and destroy the kingdom that is there or destroy the citizens or the king or the soldiers who are there inside the fort and you attack the fort again and again and again and finally they break the fort and then they plunder the people inside but somebody sends cannons and bombs and drones nowadays and even the fort does not get scratched see what is this fort made of said it so for govardhan it is like that not only are is nobody under govardhan harmed nobody on govardhan also is harmed in anandavan chappu kavi karnapur describes that despite all of the torrential rains that indra sends not even a leaf on govardhan is damaged everything stays as it is so krishna here is glorifying govardhan by telling that that his devotee is so powerful that actually no one even a great devta like indra cannot harm him so that is the first part of the reciprocations that are happening what is the acronym we are discussing great so now r is relishing so krishna is relishing love with whom with the brajwasis yes so it's a time of great danger at one level but the danger is completely forgotten 
uh, sometimes it is said that when people people are close to death or they are close to great danger, you now there is great soul searching. You know, what did I really do with my life? And people want to forgive each other. I seek forgiveness from other persons. And that kind of soul searching is hap normally happens when you are close to death. Mm -hmm. But in this case, there is no soul searching because the soul is already found. In fact, the whole of who is the part of the soul, that is also already found. So the Vrajvasis are simply relishing the reciprocation of love with Krishna. It's for seven days and seven nights they are together, but that there is great danger that is completely forgotten. And they are just immersed. And in this sense, Vishwanath explains that actually Indra's actions, while if we consider Indra and Brahma, they are two different things. Now, Indra's actions at one level, if it's in terms of harm, Indra's actions were more harmful than Brahma's. Indra tried to destroy the Vrajavasis. Brahma just took away some of the Gopas and the cows, some of the Vrajavasis, the Gopas and the cows. And he just put them in a cave. So, in one sense, the offense of Indra in terms of the harm attempted, it was not succeeded, but even the harm attempted is much, much greater. However, what happens is in terms of the pleasure that Krishna's gets, actually it is Indra's actions which give greater pleasure to Krishna than Brahma's actions. Why? Because Brahma's actions lead to separation. Whereas Indra's actions bring union. And the Vrajavasis are all united with Krishna for seven days and seven nights. And there is just the endless reciprocation of love at that time. All the Vrajavasis are there. In fact, there is practically no other pastime where Krishna is reciprocating love with all the Vrajavasis at the same time. Books like Govinda Lilamrat and Dhyana Mangala, Dhyana Amrata, those books describe how Krishna performs different pastimes at different times of the day. And in the morning Krishna is performing pastimes with the, his parents, with Yashoda and others who bathe him and feed him. In the daytime Krishna goes to the forest and he is performing pastimes with the Gopas. And in night time, he performs pastimes with the gopis. So, Krishna reciprocates with different devotees at different times. But here in Govardhan Leela, Krishna at one time gets to reciprocate love with all his devotees. And in that sense, Krishna is actually pleased. Although Krishna is displeased with Indra in one sense for what he has done, Krishna is also pleased because the end result is good. So, in general, whenever any action is to be judged, you know, whether the action is good or bad, there are three factors. The content of the action, what was done, the intent of the action, 
why it was done and the consequence what resulted from the action so now the content of the action of indra was terrible mm -hmm. he tried to destroy the prajwasis so in today's world uh, today's uh, legal language we would call it as a horrendous abuse of power isn't it it's a horrendous abuse of power and uh, even if we say the prajwasis are wrong in not doing yagya even if we grant that thing that okay like somebody is supposed to pay taxes and say a particular uh, particular locality refuses to pay taxes okay if you don't pay taxes then maybe cut off the electric supply or whatever but if a particular locality refuses to pay taxes and then you go and nuke the whole locality just say, uh, destroy everyone that's a outrageous abuse of power so in terms of what indra did was outrageous now the int intent was also he was angry but the result was good result was that krishna saw that something good has come out of it and he accepted that so this is the meaning of krishna being bhavagrahi bhavagrahi means it's not just that krishna sees the intent and only with the intent is good krishna accepts it krishna sees is there anything good about what you did if the action is good that's wonderful if the intent is good that's wonderful even if the action is not good even if the result comes out good that is also wonderful krishna appreciates that so that's why any way we connect with krishna that is good now of course that doesn't mean that we just do anything and think the consequence will be good and we can't take credit if we wanted to do a bad thing but some good thing happens sometimes uh, then it's not that we can take credit for that but say hiranyakashipu tried to persecute prahlad but the result of that was that prahlad's glory is more and more became revealed to the world now does that mean the lord is pleased with hiranyakashipu also well yes hiranyakashipu comes as a part of the lord's pastimes hiranyakashipu had to be punished at a material level but still the lord elevated and liberated even hiranyakashipu so the point is that krishna just is looking for some good somewhere and krishna was pleased even with indra because he had the opportunity to reciprocate love with all his devotees and during this particular pastime the love he was reciprocating was with primarily mother yashoda was concerned krishna you are lifting up such a big hill you must be tired you please eat something now so i'll give you some butter so she starts offering him butter and krishna and then uh, krishna is taking the butter and krishna is relishing it and then all the gopas say hey now for the gopas krishna is just another of the cowherd boys is krishna you are lifting this can we also lift it so krishna says okay you also put your hand so they all put their hands over there and then they say krishna now you remove your hand i'm not going to remove my hand <laughs> so then krishna is having fun with uh, madhumangal is like uh, madhumangal is a character who is often providing comic relief in 
ate Krishna's pastimes. So when Yashodama is feeding Madhumangal, she's feeding Krishna, so Madhumangal says, I am also hungry. <laughs> so Yashodama says, you are always hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, my Krishna is doing such hard work. He is lifting up this whole hill. He needs food. You wait for some time. And Madhupangal says, how long I have to wait right now? Hmm? So then, as, now it is of course at one level said that the Vrajavasis, they forget about food, sleep, thirst and everything. But the point is, yes, it is not that hunger, thirst or food, they, these divert their focus from Krishna. But if food and hunger, these can play a part in Krishna's pastime over there, then the, thus enhance the flavor of Krishna's pastimes. And while Krishna is performing this pastime, now Krishna is looking at everyone. Of course, everyone is looking at Krishna. Krishna's glances are going towards everyone. And then Krishna looks at Radharani. So now at this point Krishna is Krishna, Krishna is still young. Krishna is not yet the the Purvarag, the arrival of puberty and the attraction of the Madhuryaras has not yet manifested. But there is Purvarag is still there. To some extent. It is not explicitly there, but still when Krishna looks at Radharani, she is looking at Krishna with such love, such admiration, such, such joy. See how wonderful my Krishna is. That just seeing that love shakes Krishna. And when he is shaken, his heart is shaken by seeing how much is her love for me. And his heart is shaken and his fingers start shaking. And when his fingers start shaking, then everybody is panicky. All the Prajapas, immediately they take their hands and they take their sticks and they try to support Govardhan. And then Madhu Mangal says, Krishna, watch out. If you want to eat more, eat more, but don't let this go. <laughs> and then Krishna is holding Govardhan up and Krishna thinks, you know, looking at Radharani is very dangerous. I won't look at her. <laughs> <laughs> but still he can't resist sneaking some glances at her in between. And Krishna is sweetly reciprocating love with the Vrajvasis. And when seven days pass like this, it's just so relishable that none of the Vrajvasis feel that it has been such a long time. It's, it's that they feel, you know, Krishna, say, Krishna tells them that actually now the rain has stopped. Now you can go. Oh, it stopped so quickly. <laughs> it stopped so quickly. See, when we are doing something we love, then we just lose sense of time. We are so absorbed, we don't know how time is passing. And when we are doing something which we don't love, then we don't lose sense of time, we lose sense. <laughs> we start getting bored, we start getting annoyed. What is happening over here? When is this going to get over? <laughs> so, sometimes we are doing japa and the mala is not getting over only. 
So we take out the beads, you know, did somebody change the beads here? Instead of 108, there are 1008 beads over here, it seems. <laughs> so, so the Vrajvasis has such a sweet reciprocation of love. And Krishna satisfies the hearts of all the Vrajvasis. Uh, although they have not eaten for seven days, they have not drunk for seven days, they have been drinking and eating the beauty of Krishna and they have been relishing the love of Krishna and they are fully content, not just content, they are filled with ecstasy. And this is the heart of the pastime. The Govardhan Leela is described in the 10th canto and it is also described by by our Acharyas, say Nanandandavan Champu, Gopal Champu. And within that, the Acharyas don't make much of a alabu about, Oh, Krishna lifted Govardhan. How wonderful Krishna is. Yeah, there are a few statements like that. But yeah, that is done. Yeah, Krishna can do it. What's the big deal about it? Yes, Krishna lifted Govardhan. They focus more on the reciprocation of love between the Brajvasis and Krishna that happens over there. So that's the second part. The third is A. So A is altering. Hmm. Altering means here Krishna is altering the mentality of Indra. He is not just punishing Indra. Ultimately, like sometimes we say you need an attitude adjustment. You know, that is not the most polite thing to say to someone. But the uh, he is altering the view of Indra. Indra is thinking that I have independent power. And Sthiyatam Swadhikareshu. In the verse that we discuss, be situated in your position, but Madanushasanam. You understand that you are within my jurisdiction. You are under me. So now the way Krishna works here is interesting. That Indra is intoxicated with power. And sometimes there are two ways. If there is a disease, then one way is that the disease is immediately treated and cured. But sometimes some people have a disease and they are in denial that they have the disease. No, nothing is wrong with me. That is what is wrong with you. <laughs> you know? So when somebody thinks nothing is wrong with them, then sometimes what may be done is that they are exposed to stimuli which will aggravate the disease. And then they realize, oh, something is really wrong with me. So similarly, Indra has some power. He has a lot of power and he has a lot of ego. Now, when we have ego, what does ego mean? It means edging God out. So, <laughs> we push God from his position and we put ourselves in the position of God. So, Indra was thinking that I am this all-powerful being. And when this happened, when he had this mentality, at that time, he thought that who are these upstarts? That these Vrajivasis, how dare they stop my puja? Now from a, 
absolute perspective or from a bigger perspective, uh, Vrindavan is just one small village on earth. If Indra Puja is not done, Indra is not going to face a big loss because of that. It's not that Indra is desperately dependent for his, for his revenues on Vrindavan's Yagya. Hmm? It's not going to make much of a big difference. It's like if there is a big king and there's one small province somewhere and that province doesn't pay its taxes. Okay, it's, a, it's not that those taxes are going to be a, make a big difference. But the king may say, you know, you dare challenge my power. That is, that is, a, that is outrageous. See, generally when the yagya was performed, the yagya had many different purposes. One was of course, like taxes or tributes. The yagya is devan bhavitane na te deva bhavayantuva. Prabhupada says that when we perform yagya, we satisfy the devatas. So one was, it was providing the taxes. But the other was, also it was a matter of respect. Hmm? Now respect is a more positive word. Prestige could be a little more negative word. Then it was also an occasion for socialization. That various people would come together. Yagya would be a big occasion, just like our festivals. Festivals, we are central and glorifying Krishna, but Janmashtami, when we are there practically all day, we are meeting other devotees, socializing with them. So if you see in the Daksha Yagya, Daksha was not really concerned about the spiritual aspect. So ultimately it is, Yagya is also meant for devotion, it is meant for pleasing the Lord. He was not really concerned about the spiritual aspects, he was concerned more about the social and prestige aspects. And that is why, when Shiva didn't offer him respect, this whole thing I have done so that everyone knows how great I am. And if somebody doesn't acknowledge my greatness, how great a problem it is, isn't it? It's like some devotee, you know, we as devotees can also have a lot of ego. If we come to a temple and we are a senior devotee, we come to the temple and everybody bows down to offer obeisance. And we look at who didn't bow down. <laughs> so, sometimes the ego can be such a demoniac thing. But so similarly, for Indra, at one level, the Vrajivasi is not offering respects. Not offering the Yagya was not a big problem practically. But it was that they stopped my yagya, that's bad enough. And then on top of that, it's like suppose you know somebody's supposed to be invited as a chief guest for a particular event. And then they're told, you know, uh, this invitation is withdrawn. Really? What happened? Is, some, is the event cancelled? No, the event is going on. Then who is the chief guest? Now some insignificant nobody is brought to replace you. Oh, that is an even greater insult. Isn't it? You replaced me with this person. Instead, oh, it just seems outrageous. Hmm. So, like that, Indra becomes jealous. Like say, two people are dating and their relationship and then they break up. They use the word break up, but actually people break down. There's no up over there, isn't it? <laughs> but then, say, they break up 
and then people are always interested in their ex you know who is that person dating now and they person you know if, if some person is very proud of their looks and they see you replace me with that person so what is that person god nothing so there is that natural jealousy that comes up so what happens is indra feels you replaced my puja and doing this puja to this insignificant hill hey nobody even heard of this before this so he is enraged and when he's enraged like that that rage comes out now on top of that see indra also comes to know okay okay how did this happen how did the rajwasi stop my puja krishna told them what did krishna tell them and then he he, he comes to what krishna spoke on this mimamsa philosophy so it's like you know when you want to irritate someone mm-hmm. is some we invite say we invite somebody for a event and they say they will come and they don't come and they said i don't come and they say that okay why couldn't you come later on we meet and ask them you know i was sick well i saw on your facebook that you had gone for a outing isn't it so if you are going to if you are going to speak a lie at least don't insult my intelligence by speaking an unbelievable lie <laughs> at least respect my intelligence enough so that i can believe your lie isn't it <laughs> so sometimes people lie and they don't even try to hide the fact that they are lying so when indra gives a reason sir are krishna gives a reason that reason is not even a reasonable reason so basically what krishna is doing is that he is provoking indra now we may say why does krishna want to provoke indra normally you consider provoking others is a, not a good thing to do but he's provoking for a particular reason like i said if a person is sick and is in denial of sickness then the symptoms of the sickness need to be triggered and that person realizes i am sick so somebody may have a lot of ego and they say yeah you know i don't have an ego like some people are very mentally disturbed you tell them you know maybe you should calm down you know i am as calm as the pacific ocean <laughs> yes you are as calm as the pacific ocean with a tsunami in it <laughs> but if they don't then what happens is you speak something which provokes them hmm? and then hey, how do you speak like this to me oh yeah i am not actually calm isn't it so then they realize it so what krishna is doing is he is deliberately provoking indra krishna could have let indra's govardhan puja indra's puja go on krishna could have done govardhan puja separately but krishna took the indra puja and replaced with govardhan puja and also spoke the karma mimamsa philosophy which indra knew is false which krishna also knew is false but all this is just to provoke indra now why do you provoke because when he is provoked what does he do everybody can get provoked in the world the world is such is a is a provocative place but there are certain boundaries that are never meant to be crossed see we all may get angry and people may do things that anger us but we we may have our own boundaries based on our culture 
that say even if i get angry you know i'm not going to use swear words i may yell at someone but i'm not going to use swear words or no matter how angry i get i'm not going to punch a person I'm not going to physically attack a person or no matter how angry i get you know i'm not going to take a knife or a gun and attack, attack someone so we all have certain boundaries now what are our actual boundaries we may think this is something which i will never do but when we are provoked we realize that there are many things which we thought we would not do but we did that and that's when we start realizing how severe say my anger issue is if i get angry and i say yeah i'll just yell at someone for a few minutes that's that's not good but okay that's okay but if somebody gets angry and starts taking a gun to shoot people you know that means it's a really serious issue so what krishna did by provoking indra is to show him how much his ego was the ego its magnitude how strong it is for us if there is lust within us anger within us ego within us how do we know what its magnitude is that depends on the provocation so in one sense our provocations or provocations they reveal our boundaries or you could also say they reveal our lack of boundaries some people may have just no sense of boundaries at all so normally they might behave like a very gentle sweet person and when they are provoked they just change from prahlad to hiranyakashipu <laughs> so in general if you want to know a person we also want to know how is this person not just at their best but also at their worst hmm? if we truly love a person we want to love the person at their best and at their worst so here what krishna wanted to do was reveal to indra himself how much his ego was and indra did not realize it till he used all his power that rage was there and when that rage was there he just abused his power and tried to destroy vrindavan not just by rains not just by storms but rain storms and thunderbolt and lightning it is all the power that he had earlier i said like hey, if somebody doesn't pay taxes you use nuclear weapons it's not just nuclear weapons nuclear weapons biological weapons chemical weapons all the weapons that you have like oh, the whole weapon supply is exhausted and then indra starts thinking what did i do what did i do over here and that's when he comes to apologize and that's when krishna is instructing him krishna says that you got to carried away by your power and indra also realizes it and sometimes we may, we may say somebody may say you have anger issues but we may say no 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 i don't have any anger issues you know i i don't have anger issues you have a hypersensitivity issues <laughs> small things you get worked up about them now but when in our own eyes out of anger we do certain things which we know are unacceptable that's when we realize so to alter indra's disposition 
to take him from the position of ego to the position of humility krishna did all this krishna provoked him and exposed to him his utter lack of boundaries now this doesn't mean we go about provoking each other to show them their lack of boundaries no we try to work in work in more amicable ways but we all you know every day maybe when we do our daily review you can look at what was the worst thing that i did today we can look at what was the best thing that i did what did i offer to krishna today but also what was the worst thing that i did today if we do that then we will also realize that okay you know i just don't have uh, maybe i thought that i'm sense controlled or i'm this or and that but maybe i need work so krishna altered indra's disposition and that was his kindness it was of course tough love while indra was going through it it was painful for him but indra was transformed by it so beyond that what is the two more points i'll try to complete in 10 5 7 minutes now d d is demonstrating now krishna is demonstrate in glorifying govardhan but krishna is also demonstrating how his devotees are greater than devatas it is not just the vrajivasis are greater than the indra but also surabhi is greater than indra now if you consider in swarga indra is the king and surabhi is just a cow well she is important but in, even swarga's hierarchy she is not very important but when indra has to seek forgiveness indra realizes i have offended aims krishna so much that he goes to brahma and brahma says even i can't help you over here i don't have i have a relationship with krishna but it's not so close you need to go to somebody who really has a close relationship with krishna who is very dear to krishna and that is surabhi so now when somebody is very angry then what happens is now if they see the person who has provoked them they will become even angrier but if they see someone they love then they just feel so joyful and after that the person who is who is angered them also comes forward okay yeah then the anger has gone down so like that they see that devtas have so also learned from experience in the prahlad past time the devtas all try to pacify narsimha dev first and all of them fail and it's like a it's a spectacular failure normally rock or spectacular success it's a spectacular all these big big devtas they are the cosmic administrators they don't succeed and then brahma says see the only thing that prahlad you go and offer prayers and even before prahlad offers prayers the lord is so happy to see him the lord who is like a ferocious lion becomes like a gentle pussy cat so sweet and so brahma ji also knows this so from that narsimha lila brahma ji says that actually you know you need to have some devotee so he says you take surbhi and let surbhi be ahead of you and when the lord sees surbhi he is so pleased with her and just the sight of surbhi pleases and then indra comes from behind surbhi oh okay 
<laughs> and then Krishna forgives Indra also. So he is demonstrating how the devotees are greater than the devatas. In the material hierarchy, the devatas are very powerful. But in Krishna's eyes, the devotees are even greater. And for us, it is important to remember that there are, for example, uh, if we consider even in our devotional hierarchy, in our devotional community, there may be certain devotees who are in administrative position. And of course, we respect them for the service that they are doing. But there may be devotees who may not have any administrative positions. But if they are senior devotees, if they are dedicated devotees, we need to offer respects to them also. They, they, they have done service to Krishna for whatever reason. They may not be in the hierarchy of power. Maybe that's not their inclination, that's not their interest. But if they have done service to Krishna, they are dear to Krishna. And we need to respect them. So <clears throat> that is demonstrating. And the last one is E is. E is enriching. So Krishna is enriching the hearts of all of us through such pastimes. Kunti Maharani gives various reasons why Krishna descends to the world. And she says the final reason is that you descend to perform pastimes which can elevate people. Bhavesmin Krishmananam avidya kama karma bhi. Shravan smaran arhani karishan itikechana. That for the shravan and smaran to be done by posterity, by future generations of devotees, Krishna, you perform pastimes. So through these pastimes, Krishna is actually providing us opportunity for enriching our hearts. The more we remember these pastimes, the more we relish these pastimes. And among various pastimes, the Govardhan Leela is an extremely dramatic pastime. So, we all can by remembering, the, not just remembering the pastime, not just relishing the pastime. Now, some pastimes can be remembered and relished, but go, there are some pastimes which can be not just remembered and relished, they can also be reenacted. And that makes them especially special. That we can actually, so reenactment can be done through, we, we perform dramas. But Govardhan Leela is where I believe today evening we will be actually building a Govardhan of various food items and various paraphernalia and we will be circumambulating that. So the reenacting of the pastime can help us to become even more absorbed in the pastime. And in general for all of us, as we sing in the Namodarashtakam, in the last line, Nam Ananta Leelaya Devaya Tubhyam that Krishna has unlimited pastimes. Now, in the Damodarila specifically, he said that even one pastime can give us immense immersion. Sadame manasya virashtam ki Let this one pastime keep replaying in my heart and I can just relish it forever. So the idea is that Krishna has unlimited pastimes and any one pastime, if somehow it captivates our heart, it, the, past, the pastime may captivate our heart through one image. You know, we just look at the image of Krishna lifting Govardhan. And this one devotee friend of mine, he, he loves this Govardhan Lila so much, 
he said that he has collected more than 500 paintings of Govardhan Leela. He says there is there is Rajasthani art, there is Raja art, there is North Indian art, and there is now Iskand devotees make paintings. So he says till now whatever paintings I can find, I try to find, and now he is making uh, like a what do you call it a coffee table book of just Govardhan Leela, you know, depicted by different artists in different ways. And he showed me, sent me some other pictures. So beautiful it is. So one pastime we can remember. Sometimes it may not be just one picture or one pastime, the visual image. It could be a verbal image. One verse that describes a pastime. We just remember one verse. Now that is Govardhan Ashtakam. Now we might find Ashtakam is, is very big for me. Okay, remember one verse. Take one line from one verse. And sometimes just repeating that one line can give us immersion in the pastime. So, how Krishna can enrich our heart is actually a mystery. But if we just are receptive, we'll find that there are so many ways in which Krishna is ready to enrich our heart. Sometimes just repeating one line, oh, that can be so relishable. Just we, we sometimes memorize verses, but we memorize verses primarily for quoting in classes. But that's good, but we memorize verses for offering before the deities, for our own contemplation. So we could take one song, one Vaishnava song, maybe one line from that song and just recite that. I know, I, I was in Vrindavan some time ago and uh, I have a friend who visits Vrindavan. He says that there's one devotee over there, he, he has taken, especially in Karthik, he takes one pastime and in Karthik, almost every day is like a festival. So he has tried to find verses that describe each pastime for each day. Say we have Bhavulashtami, we have Govardhan Leela, we have this. So he says, I take one verse which describe that pastime. And on that day, I will recite that verse 1008 times. So now I found that quite an intoxicating way to do things. You know, just repeat that one verse. And it could be a Sanskrit verse, it could be a Bengali verse, it could be a prayer that we make in our own words, if that's what gives us absorption. But the point is, this is an opportunity for us to enrich our heart. And especially on the day when the pastime is being, has been performed, that is a special day when the mercy is available even more. So ultimately, Krishna wants to enrich the hearts of each one of us with his love, with his loving presence. The, the enrichment of our heart depends on what is playing and replaying in our heart. If what is playing and replaying in our heart is our grievances, oh, this person spoke like this to me and this didn't happen in my life and that went wrong, it could be also, oh, I made such a mess of things. If that's what is replaying in our heart, we will always be impoverished. Now, it could be our mistakes, it could be others' mistakes, it could be the world's nature. Yeah, these are all realities. But the bigger reality is that Krishna is still playing the flute. Krishna is still the all-attractive Lord. And when we somehow start getting Krishna's Leela to start replaying in our heart, then that is what will enrich our heart. So we can try to find out you know, how 
we can in somehow or the other be replaying krishna lila of course chanting the holy names is also replaying the sound of the holy name in our heart yena kena prakarena whatever way works for us enrichment is available if we can just change the tape the soundtrack the video track whatever it is that is replaying in our hearts and the more it becomes krishna centered the more our heart will become enriched so replaying krishna leela is enriching replaying you can say maya leela it or the various things that happen in this material world whether it is craving or lamenting that is simply impoverishing so krishna by being ananta leela ya devaya tubyam by having unlimited past times is offering us unlimited opportunities for enrichment i'll summarize what to discuss today we talked about the govardhan leela in terms of reciprocation so five reciprocations within govardhan leela what was the acronym grade so what was g does anyone remember yes g was glorifying so oh, krishna glorifies govardhan that govardhan we could say it is krishna who performed the miracle by lifting govardhan but it is govardhan also was miraculous in the sense that govardhan was completely unhurt the govardhan who might have been unhurt before was unhurt and krishna in one sense spoke the karma mimamsa philosophy which was a in one sense a false philosophy but the whole purpose was so because he simply wanted an excuse for glorifying govardhan for worshiping govardhan and then showing how govardhan can also protect so you saying that it is a govardhan who is levitating out of ecstasy to protect us so krishna didn't even take credit that i am protecting you so that was the uh, beauty of krishna in this past and then what is the next one r was relishing so here it is the only past time in which krishna is reciprocating love and relishing the reciprocation with all the rajwasis at the same time so in terms of the harm attempted what indra did was worse than what brahma did but in terms of the effect the the effect was more pleasing to krishna and krishna focused on that then after that a was altering yes so we saw how indra had great ego and krishna provoked indra so that his ego would become apparent to him and then he would take remedial action just as when a patient is sick and his denial the sickness symptoms need sometimes need to be aggravated so that the patient becomes ready to take treatment so krishna aggravated indra by stopping first the indra puja then giving that indra puja to somebody insignificant in indra's eyes like govardhan and then on top of that also uh, giving a false reasoning to do all that but when what happened indra realized that his ego was so great that he had no boundaries the extent of abuse of power was so horrendous then he came to his senses and that's what made him humble then t was demonstrating krishna demonstrated how in the uh, normal administrative hierarchy indra might be high up but in krishna's hierarchy it was surbi the small cow who was higher up and indra had to approach through surbi and last e was enriching when krishna performs these past times it is for us to be enriched 
by remembering relishing reenacting and replaying these pastimes in our heart so any one pastime if we can find that we can replay in our heart and that can change the tape that is playing in our heart at present then we can become absorbed in krishna and we can attain him thank you very much hare krishna do we have time for any one or two questions yes please from for a wonderful exposition uh, how to improve our chanting that's the everyday problem so please krishna how we can improve our chanting every day please tell us it's something. always a challenge your realization it's a mm. challenge my realization is that it's very difficult to improve chanting <laughs> but you can tell lot of thing because you have written a lot of books so much literature well, i have written books because i can't chant <laughs> <laughs> that's my excuse for doing something other than chanting just few points but i, I would say two three things first yeah. is that there are some activities that give us devotion and there are some activities in which we have to bring devotion some activities bring devotion for us for example if we see the deities we hear a sweet kirtan we naturally feel devotional and that's wonderful but sometimes in the chanting we may not feel devotional so if the activity is not bringing devotion then we need to be bringing devotion to that activity that means before starting that activity maybe recite some verse sing a song or something or have a picture of your favorite picture of the deities look at that and we bring devotion into our heart and then we bring that devotion into our chanting otherwise it will just be mechanical uh, utterance of words second thing is that we all can the mind is going to get distracted so rather than thinking that i will never let my mind get distracted we can try to give it some devotional distraction in the sense that the mind is going to wander let me have some pictures of krishna let me have some tulsi in front of me let me maybe have some quotes about the glories of the holy name and the mind wanders if it is here at the sound of the holy name it wanders instead of letting it go all over the universe let it go in some circle around it mm. so we give the mind the mind may stray away but let it not stay away we try to give it some distraction which is connected with krishna by which we can bring it back to krishna and third is during chanting at least my experience is we can't always be focusing on controlling the mind we also need to negotiate with the mind that means that each day we have to see what is my level of mind what is the disposition of my mind today and then we decide what is an acceptable level of distraction for that day some days we could just sit at one place and focus and come close our eyes and chant some days we sit our sit and close our eyes we just close our eyes only <laughs> <laughs> there is no chanting happening <laughs> so if that is the case then maybe on that day don't sit maybe stand maybe walk and chant yeah walking chanting is not as attentive as say sitting chanting maybe but walking chanting is better than sitting and sleeping isn't it so maybe for that day the acceptable level of distraction can be different and some days we if we we are walking and still we are feeling reasonably focused then instead of going out for a walk where we are going to see 100 things 
We walk in a small same area, so there's not much distraction. Some days our mind is wandering too much, then we may decide that, okay, I'm trying to focus, I'm not able to focus. Then maybe I go out for a walk, but I try to have as much, not that I'm looking at, a, just looking for distraction while I'm walking around. I'm trying to focus, but if some distraction comes, I try to bring my mind back closer to Krishna. So I think that negotiation is important. If you just try to bring one standard to every day's chanting, then it becomes that if that standard is not possible, we just get frustrated with ourselves and we quit. Then we just, it just becomes uh, speaking, our, speaking with our lips without any focus at all. So you find out how much can I focus today. Okay. This brings one point. If the body is too tired, like an old body, old man, can you lie down and chant? Are you allowed to do that or not? Well, I, well one principle of course is that the tatrar pitanyamita smarani nakalaha. There are no rules for chanting. So, of course one can lie down also and chant. But there are two different things over here. See, one is lying down because one does not have physical energy, but still one has mental alertness. Mm. Then that's perfectly fine. Sometimes we are not sleepy, but we just don't have physical energy. Lying down and chanting at that time is, is perfectly okay. Same. But sometimes lying down is because we are already maybe bored or we are close to lethar we are lethargic. And then we lie down, it might be very easy to just fall asleep. So it depends. But I, in, in principle, any way we can chant, that is good. So even lying down, if lying down frees us from the physical exertion of energy and enables us to concentrate all that energy on focusing on Krishna, or Krishna holy name, then there's nothing wrong in that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, any last question before we stop? Okay. Um, thank you for the class, Prabhuji. Uh, just a question regarding the anger. Um, so normally, um, I understand that the anger rises is because uh, the modes of passion and ignorance are acting on you. It's because of your unfulfilled desire which anger rises. Um, so the modes, you, uh, the modes are the one which causes you to fall in the, uh, get angry. So is that correct? And, and, and the second thing is, how, how do you catch yourself while you're practicing Krishna consciousness to stop yourself and come back to mode of goodness? Well, is anger caused by the modes? Well, there are different ways of analyzing. The modes is one good framework to use. At the same time, we can also say there are some people with whom somehow they seem to bring the worst out of us. Isn't it? You know, there are some people, once I was trying to do some mediation between two people, and one person was saying, I know you are angry with me. Can you tell me what have I done that has made you so angry? The second person said, you exist. <laughs> <laughs> now, now the second person was not being sarcastic, he was just saying, you know, everything about you angers me. <laughs> so I think if that is the situation, it's unreasonable, but you know, we can't really do much about it. Somehow just we feel that there are certain triggers. Certain people, just the way they talk, the sound of their voice, the sound of their laugh, Everything seems to annoy or anger us. Then if that is a trigger, then we need to keep a distance from them. Uh, no, that's not the ultimate solution, but at least that's the initial solution till we get some handle on the issue. 
if we know there are certain provocative people or provocative times say maybe at the end of the day you know if somebody just makes some request that seems too much for me i explore or there are some phases maybe when we are hungry and food is already delayed and that time somebody so we observe ourselves and try to note what our triggers are and try to be in advance on guard stay aware of our triggers and stay away from our triggers so that's quite helpful another thing that we can do is that with respect to our boundaries at least when we cross the boundaries we are aware of those sometimes we may yell at someone and if that person if we are much more powerful than that person that person can't protest that person can't do anything so it, we might even not not even notice that incident but maybe at the end of a day if we are reviewing our day you know hey that time i spoke that and then maybe when we're looking back oh i i noticed how hurt that person felt yeah maybe i should not have spoken like that so just having some more self awareness looking back at each day and looking at uh, how we might have succumbed to a particular anartha that also when i went to so that self awareness also helps now beyond that of course as we are practicing bhakti bhakti will purify us but how long that purification will take will depend on how deep rooted the conditioning is it depends on how intense our practice of bhakti is so till that purification happens these two things you know cultivating a little more self awareness and keeping away from our triggers that can be help so that won't even if the mode of passion is there at least it would it regenerate to the mode of ignorance will rise from there to the mode of goodness thank you very much thank you prabhu ji shri krishna bhagwan ki giriraj govardhan ki govardhan leela ki shila prabhupad ki gaur bhakt vrind ki hitai gaur premande